weekly Grace Church podcast is going to try real hard to make your midweek just a little more enjoyable. My name is Tyler, and today we are jam-packing this pod with Christmas. We're talking Advent with author Maggie Johnson. We're talking new Christmas tunes with worship dudes Brad, Becky, and Will Johnson. And we're going to dig in to learn more from Barry about his sermon this past weekend. But first, let's quickly check in with my favorite co-hosts, Marin and Barry. Hey, guys. Hi. What's up, Tyler? How you doing? Good. Good weekends? Great weekend. Yeah, it's a great weekend. Great. Barry, you spoke. We all know kind of where you were this weekend. Well, yeah. if you didn't go to church, you probably don't know where he was, but he was speaking. So that that's what your weekend was. Marin, Marin what were you doing? Um, for, for the services, I, for Sunday, I was hosting in Fishers. How'd that go? The first time ever. Very first time ever. Great. Hosting. Completely different from singing. Did you freeze? <laughs> no, no, no. And that was my fear. Like I didn't want to yeah. scripted or rehearsed, but at the same time, you don't want to forget all the details, setting up this, setting up that. That was going to be my question. Did you, did you drop any balls? Did you remember everything? You know, for the most part, yes. I think if I, there was just one time or I think I was setting up baptism and you have all these things to remember to say and, you know, um, it's very important that you don't mess that up because it's <laughs> right. baptism. Um, and I think I was supposed to tell people that Jeff would be standing over by the cross if you were interested. In, and I, I forgot to say that second. Did service. you have a script? I did not have a script. So um, because this was my first time, they were, I mean, not just kind of throwing me out there, expecting me to know how to do things on my own. Well, that's um, good. Which was very nice of them. Um, Kevin sent me an email of how he usually sets a baptism, what he usually says. And I just kind of went off of that. And uh, um, yeah, not word for word, but just um, understanding what baptism is all about. And then trying to uh, convey that in a way that um, really connects with, with people. Um, so here's the deal with baptism. Oh. It's kind of a all right. call... As, as I said before, Bonhoeffer says, when Jesus calls a man, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die, right? Like you're dying to yourself. You go under the water. The yeah. old you is gone, right? You come yeah. up in resurrection and power. But as you're saying that as a host, <laughs> congregation, I bid you come and die. Yeah, you, yeah you great. <laughs> yes, you Count can. Me in. You can say it. I yeah. want you to put my head underwater. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. So it, did you say that? No, okay. no, but this is what I mean by it's so much trickier yeah. than just like singing. I could sing all day. Well, <laughs> what would you say instead of that? Like, I bid you come and bathe. <laughs> I talked about how it was symbolic of Christ's death and coming out of the water was symbolic of his resurrection. And, you know, it's all it's all good stuff. But so I was doing way of discipleship with someone earlier this afternoon and we were talking about um, being uh, selfless and, and dying to self and. Sometimes we, we paint certain aspects of, you know, our Christianity just with a positive brush, right? right. Just like, yeah, do it. We're going to all go out to dinner after you get baptized when really you, yeah. could, you could easily say, you know, thank you so much. I'm, it's so exciting that you have now signed on for some suffering, maybe some um, well, desertion. Fun. Free McAllister's <laughs> after baptism is way better. Right. People right. will hate you and flog you in the public Seriously. square. Don't be surprised when they hate you because they hated me first. That would Jesus that's that's what Jesus said. So you can't really set up baptism that way, but maybe next time I will. I don't know. So do you think you're gonna do this again? Did you enjoy it? Y'all I have been scheduled. You to like do this it. Again. You love it. I I don't I, think she has a choice is what she's saying. <laughs> oh wow. No. I'm I'm 
I'm glad. I was afraid of a train wreck, as usual. I mean, worst case scenario, right? What's every yeah. possible thing that could go wrong? I could fall into the baptismal by accident while connected to wires. Uh, I, this is, these are the things that I picture happening. <laughs> that went through your mind? In you real time. fall into the tank? All the With time. wires attached. Do you know that I can't yeah, we... walk past the tank without thinking about falling in? Even what? when it's covered? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's an elaborate imagination. I know there's a tank in there. <laughs> yes, there were a lot of moving parts in this service. There were kids up and down, like throughout the service. There was just a lot going on. So sure, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. It all I came hosted together. twice. I've hosted twice. Both times I froze. Did you? <laughs> yeah, because I was like new to the job and I didn't want to mess it up. And yeah. there were like seven announcements. Oh yeah, and I stood there. Which felt like probably four minutes. And I was just like. <laughs> that surprises me. You are like the I guy could do, with I could the totally words. do it now. I could totally do it now because I'm comfortable. <laughs> but I was talking about like whiz kids or something. Like tutoring. Yeah, yeah, tutoring. And I couldn't remember what I wanted to say. So I, I stood there and like deer in the headlights for a good five seconds. Okay. Yeah, thank no. Thankfully, that did not happen. Yeah, what so I'm did not happen, scheduled though, anymore. The, the kids were singing. They were in Fisher's part of. Um, there was a song at the top of the service, and in Fisher's, the kids came up and joined Will at the end of the service as well. So oh, both cool. times, I was proud mama, cell phone, grinning oh, ear to yeah. ear. And then as soon as the song ended, Jeff got to the platform before I did because I was just in mom mode. <laughs> Jeff was your you co-host. Come, yes. You come running with your phone flying. He was and... co-hosting with me, and both times, oh, no, and put my phone down. Oh, you, you missed your cue. Totally, because yeah. I was proud mom. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want right. to. Th- I don't want to throw Mel under the bus at all. But at 146th Street, she had a really uh, fun service. A lot. Yeah. A lot of. You're, but wasn't it just Saturday? Was it limited? Saturday, to Saturday? yeah. 4:30. 4:30 was Mel Boyer, friend absolute, of the pod. Well, she did. She did great. But at 4:30, we hit like every possible train wreck. Like Brad, at one point, he's coming in here in a little bit. He something had disconnected with his earpiece, and so we we're about yeah. to kick off the first song, and he's like. I, I can't hear anything. Yeah. Oh man. And then and then we forgot to uh, speaker assistant forgot to bring the table up uh, at the first service. And so I'm standing up there with my notes. They're bringing a chalkboard on. There's a kid stayed up on stage for a while. Like it was just like a, a blooper reel. It was really? amazing. Yeah. All the things that could go wrong mm-hmm. and sometimes do. Yeah. But that was that was the weekend. Um. Well, for me that was Sunday. For you it was Saturday and Sunday. Like yeah. For you, it was a lot more. Yeah, I don't think people realize it actually, when you're on on the weekend, like if you're doing worship, worship is the biggest time commitment of all. If you're in the worship team for a weekend at 146th Street, that means you're coming in on Thursday or was it Wednesday for rehearsal? Thursday Mm -hmm. for rehearsal. You have to get here at 1 o'clock p.m. Mm -hmm. on Saturday and you're basically here nonstop till 1 p.m. on Sunday with like a short time to sleep in the middle. It's a big It's a lot. So I... Speakers have it a little bit easier because we get here at two thirty on Saturday. Yeah. But in fairness, you usually get a fruit plate. Fruit. Well, that's that's true. Sometimes there's a there are some dinner caramel dip with the fruit plate backstage. in the backstage. You talking about for the musicians? Yeah, uh, I don't know about Saturday. The fruit. Yeah, Saturday there's usually yeah. food. Thursday there is not, but okay. Saturday they usually. So I was on uh, for it. both services at Fisher's um with my kids they were doing both of the you know the songs or whatever mm-hmm. so we got there at seven and we stayed for the duration of both services and went home but then my son and i had about three hours to kill before going here coming here to 146 for prayer gathering rehearsal so wow. it was just a long long day jam-packed jam-packed day but i 
got to party with your wives Saturday night. I want to hear oh, about that's that. right. My goodness. Did we have <laughs> a good that time? Mean? You partied. We partied. Yeah, it was awesome. I heard there so, was some Mexican hot chocolate involved. There was. So, yeah. Um, your wife, Lauren. Me. Um, Tyler. Tyler. This is who I'm pointing to. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, She took Desi and I to the Museum of Art once before. Yeah, that's right. We had an awesome time. It was great. She wanted to do something again. Showing you the city, man. involve Olivia. So that was my first time ever hanging out with Olivia. Um, and it was just so much fun. We went uh, for burgers somewhere. Um what was it? Burger, burger fuel. fuel. There it is. Thank you, guys. They and have then, the Impossible uh, Burger, which is that's what ridiculous and weird and, and creepy, but amazing. Yeah, all of those Look things. All yeah. of those things, yeah. But it was it was fun. They, they had a DJ there, which my daughter Sweet. thought was very ironic. Why yeah. is there a DJ at this burger joint? <laughs> Why was there? Why, Why wouldn't there be? That sounds amazing. Um, but then we went to the Soldiers and Sailors Monument um, to see the lights. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Got Tree. hot chocolate. But the drive down Meridian... To get there, mm-hmm. okay? Both of your wives, did you know this? Your wives are accomplished rappers. Both. Well. <laughs> both of them. Hang on. Accomplished. They were they were just spitting those rhymes. What does that mean? Like freestyling <laughs> or? So they, I guess they like Hamilton a lot. Oh, yeah, uh, the musical Hamilton. And my daughter is 12 and she's obsessed with Hamilton, knows Every word, backwards and forwards, good ones, bad ones. She knows them all. It's great. <laughs> but, right, so then they were, they were, and oh, I mean, they were rhyming the songs. Thumping the music. Thumping. Like, I sat in the back seat, right? There's a speaker right behind my head. And the four tourists just, just like, like <laughs> thumping wow. the rap as we drove. Going for it. Well, Desi was loving every second yeah, of it. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, my 12 year old at that moment, I realized is cooler than I am. I'm not. I was not. Uh, I wasn't hip. I wasn't with well, it. Well, yeah, I could have told you that. I mean, that's that's kind of <laughs> she obvious, overplayed but. that that soundtrack all of last year. Like, uh, yeah, she and you she didn't put in it. the effort to she memorize it those lyrics. No, I'm sorry, but no, she had told me after you know we left and went to go home, um, and on at seven in the morning we didn't get home till like after midnight. Um, but she's like, I had been worried that you guys would just talk adult things the whole time. And like, I'd Aww. feel left out. She's like, but I can't believe I got to talk Hamilton and Marvel with yeah. the same people yeah. in the same conversation. She was That's like, awesome. Our wives she are was very flying cool. high. You guys have the coolest wives yeah, ever. Cool wives. I can't thank them enough. <laughs> Hashtag it was cool such wives. A fun night. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Oh, and I know I'm talking a lot because my weekend was you had a yeah, great weekend. My Sounds weekend was more awesome than your weekend. I, yeah. uh, oh well, probably. Ruth Schwartz took me on a Ruth mid-century Schwartz. modern house tour. She cool is, is on staff. Yes. she's maybe our longest tenured staff member. She is awesome. She is one of my yeah. absolute favorite. She people took you to on a home with. tour. She did. We went to Carmel and we went to oh, what's the name? Oh, come on. There's a female architect uh, who designed mid-century modern homes in one little neighborhood called Thornhurst. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like my favorite, absolute favorite form of architecture. So we uh, Houses and Carmel? Sp- specifically mid-century modern homes. Okay. There's like no other home that I would even be So are you like really in into Frank Lloyd Wright and yes, all that? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So I didn't live far from oh, Oak Park. I don't know any South of side of Chicago, mm-hmm. like loaded with super cool Frank Lloyd Wright homes and all that stuff. So it was super cool. I got to like really embrace and love Carmel and Indianapolis and Broad Ripple. And it was good. It was a good immersion good. weekend for me. Well, great. Welcome. Thank you, guys. <laughs> um, so do you guys have that room in your house or maybe it's a drawer or a closet that's just like, 
I don't want to deal with that right now. Let's just toss it in this one place that's basically an apocalypse of your stuff. Yes, I do. I don't have enough rooms to afford to have a room. Well, maybe it's a table or, or like a that. cabinet or something. Every surface in my house is that. Really? Yeah. So, like, if, if you get a bunch of mail, you're like, ah, I don't know. I'll just look at that later. You just toss it. I go, that surface is full. I guess I'll have to put it on that surface until all okay. surfaces are full. And then I freak out. So, that <laughs> place in my house is my desk. And I just got in a mood this weekend where I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting organized, guys. I am doing all of my laundry, which I don't usually do very often. <laughs> You're such a big boy. Hey, <laughs> hang on. Adulting. Here we are. And I'm cleaning off this desk once and for all. I'm tired of not being able to use my desk. So I start cleaning it off and I look at the computer that's sitting on there that I haven't turned on in about four or five years. And I'm like, I'm going to throw this away or get rid of it. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Give it to someone. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. So I'm in the process of telling Laura and my wife, I'm getting rid of this. Uh, and she says, Make sure our wedding photos are off of it. Okay. So I turn it on. And I haven't turned this thing on in five years, four or five years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So who knows how outdated it is. And I turn it on and it takes about 30 minutes for it to get up and running. <laughs> and I'm looking for these photos. Every time I move my mouse, the like pinwheel <laughs> rainbow comes on. And it got me thinking, okay, every, I wouldn't grab this thing if there was a fire in my house, but like people's photos are pretty important, yes. right? So like I have all of my college photos. There were like 4,000 photos on this computer that I'm ready to get rid of. And when the cloud started being a thing, like put your stuff in the cloud, mm -mm. it took, no. it took like an act of Congress to figure out where my stuff is. Now it's pretty easy. You just go to Google Photos and there's all your stuff. But at the beginning of this whole thing, impossible. So I'm like, I'm going to put all my photos on my computer. Well, smash cut to me spending <laughs> seven hours on Saturday trying to get these photos off of this computer. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you, I'm being told that my computer's uh, not upgraded and I need to update in order to look, even look at my stuff anymore. And so I spent all day yep. trying to get photos that don't exist in my hand they're yes. just on my screen mm -hmm. allegedly because i can't look at them uh off of that onto my phone or the cloud mm -mm. and it took so long so i'm thinking why is this a thing why does it why does it take why does this happen like does this happen to you guys where it's like whether it's a hard drive or a laptop or something where Obsolete it's like... Obsolete phone. Yeah. Yeah. You're like looking at it and it takes forever, but you have to do something and you spend your whole day doing that one thing it's when you wanted to spend about literally the most aggravating thing for me because yeah. technology should serve you. You shouldn't serve it. And so when you well, have to... I was to, definitely serving it yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. You gave it your life and your time. Yeah. I one time lost all of my photos from... It, from 2005 and before, except for like maybe five photos that, that existed somewhere else because I had a hard drive crash mm -hmm. on my computer. So that meant all of the photos of myself and of my time living in Kenya for 2005, gone forever. Yeah. It's, that was a disaster. Yeah, the, It's a blessing and a curse, this this photo thing. Like we have the obsolete like Hewlett Packard with like the, the big yeah, what are you tower. Gonna do? I keep the thing because I don't trust the cloud. 
Yeah, but that how are you? Don't trust <laughs> the cloud. I don't. I'll just keep the thing who, in my garage. We don't. So we don't I know what that it. cloud wants. So. I don't know who the when. No, no. Even <laughs> you're. Well, we were talking about going to this burger place, like me and both of y'all's wives, and then I think it was your wife that like randomly Barry. got a coupon. Thank you. Very. <laughs> listeners can't see us. I'm a yeah. terrible podcaster today. <laughs> this is not good for me. Uh, Barry's wife Olivia. Barry's wife Olivia got a random coupon for the place we were talking about going to that's what i mean like your phone is like always no more than two feet away from you at all times yeah i think it's listening well yeah of course it is yes and watching and but listening. i would rather I trust it i was i was about ready to just forget about the wedding photos and forget about all this stuff <laughs> because of how much time i was putting into it like if i had to put more than 20 minutes into this project i was ready to just toss it no. No. So so my mom, she's got like the old fashioned photo album and she kept them yeah. in our living room. I'm convinced that's the way to go. But then our living room flooded. See. And she oh. lost all those photos. So Cl- that's cloud where doesn't flood. that's where it's the blessing. Like I still have those pictures of my kids from the early two thousands or whatever, like because they exist in some digital form somewhere. And some of them I have printed off, but there's There's like, probably a way that none of us know about that exists that somebody's gonna tell me. To figure it out, but there, all those photos are now on my phone. See, I for one welcome our robot overlords. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready too, man. That was that was a long day of basically doing nothing. <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's move on. We've got a jam-packed pod today, guys. Yeah, We've got going. many guests coming in, but let's dig into Barry's sermon, which kicked off a new series called "The Thrill of Hope," and we you talked about uh, Zechariah this weekend. I did. Yeah, so I'm going to play a clip, and then we can just ruminate on it for a little bit. All right. And here's what's kind of crazy. This is what we're talking about, this series, which I think is going to be useful, and it's the, it's the idea that the, the birth of baby Jesus is not the beginning of the Christmas story. It's the middle. Okay, let's start there. And Barry, you can um, kind of lead this discussion if you want, but let's. I, I want to start there because everyone in America— if they're like me, you're like, hang on, buddy. Don't you tell me that baby Jesus isn't the <laughs> beginning of the Christmas story. What are you trying to what are you trying to do to me? So can you talk for those who may have missed the service or um, were copying your, your awesome drawings on the on the chalkboard and may have missed <laughs> that part? What why why is baby Jesus not the beginning of the Christmas story? Yeah, so it's kind of it was kind of a complicated thing. It actually took me quite a while to figure out how to frame the whole serve the whole sermon so that people could follow. Um, but basically, um, the whole idea that I was getting across is that the coming of Jesus and the way that Luke tells about the coming of Jesus was actually part of a much broader story of God bringing salvation to all of the world, restoring creation back to his intended design. I mean, it's the whole mission of God in a nutshell. Um, and it all just hinges on the coming of Jesus, but you can't understand what the coming of Jesus actually meant until you understand all of the things that came before, you, until you understand the story of the people of God in the Old Testament. And that's one of the things that we, I mean, we're modern evangelical Christians these days, and we have just completely missed the fact that the Old Testament makes the New Testament happen. If we didn't have the Old Testament, the New Testament is meaningless. Mm. So... I guess I guess all that to say, we're looking specifically in this series at the book of Luke because Luke does an amazing job of reminding us of that because Luke 1 and 2 mm-hmm. are totally 
hints back to the Old Testament. He points the finger all the way back to uh, Moses and to the, to King David and to the exile and to the prophets. And he is trying to show us through the language he's using that, that this is not the beginning of the story. It's been going on for a very long time. So why didn't he just say that? Uh, that's a good, that's a good question. <laughs> well, because there's because a thing. Because it was much more, I, I mean, guess, I love it. Lively to make the drawings. I and love. Wait, why did I, why did, no, 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 no. What are you asking? I'm asking drawings. why didn't Luke yeah, just, what did say, Luke just say, hey, this is, this is about everything. You know, this is, this is, I'm going to start this by talking about a baby, but it's about way more. And maybe he did based on what you said, everything he said kind of points directly back to Things that happened hundreds of years ago, and I mean, Luke was presumably a Gentile, but the people, a lot of the people he was writing to, were most likely Jewish, and so as far as they were concerned, this was the story that they'd been living, and he was simply just picking up the threads where they left off. Yeah. So he didn't need to say, "Hey guys, let me tell you a story from a long ago," because their story that was something they all were intimately sure. familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess if you just start talking about a baby, it doesn't make much sense unless you tie it back to the story that people are already living. Right. But like, let me ask you guys this question. How often, and maybe you guys aren't the right people to ask, but how often do you think about, when you think about faith and spirituality and God and Jesus and all that, how often do you think about the Babylonian exile? Uh, Until Sunday, 0% of my life, I've thought about that. Okay. I spend very little time um, thinking (laughs) about the Babylonian exile. Man, I am making that a soundbite for sure. (laughs) I spend very little (laughs) of my time time thinking. thinking. (laughs) oh man yeah you you are not alone in that and i was the same way for a long time until really recently when i started to realize just how crucial the exile was and the part that it plays for sure into why people wanted a savior in the first place can you imagine going would you say it was 500 years well from the end of the exile until the coming of jesus was 500 ish years so the whole point of talking about Zechariah is, yeah, this promise that you guys have basically all heard your entire lives for 500 years or more, This it's now starting to happen. This is what you're waiting for, right? Right. That's kind of like the big thought. Right. It's it's This is the promise that you've been hearing from all of your prophets for hundreds of years. It's all happening right now to you. Yeah. yeah. So when you said that, that made me think... In, okay, it's 2017. What happened 500 years ago that was either prayed for or thought about or talked about within like yeah. churches or leaders that's just now starting to come true? You putting tried putting to put photos that in, in the, the cloud. Yeah. yeah. People want right. to just take you photos. Like, first of all, let's in context when you said like since the printing press. Right. Like to help us kind of get a point yeah, of, of reference. Yeah, of how far, of, how long ago yeah. that was. Yeah. yeah. Um, From printing press to the cloud. Right. Well, they did. They first had to invent photography, uh, and then, <laughs> anyway. So, what 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 stuff um, did you want people to hear at the end of the the sermon? Because it was it was jam packed with yeah. like so much information, and I loved it because you talked about geeking out over tying all the threads together and stuff like that. And I I am right there with you. But at the end of the sermon, you kind of made it very like personal and applicable. What, what do you want people to take away with this? Uh, I'd say two things. One, like you said at the end of the sermon, I, I just talked specifically about salvation and the fact that we, we, we get so caught up in just how messed up our world is. Uh, you know, our, the, the, all the 
the sexual harassment allegations going around, all of the injustice, all the racial injustice, all the things that we are just constantly just swimming in every single day. And not to mention all of our personal issues, anxiety and sin and, and addictions and uh, depression, all the things that just beset us as modern people. And I think we, we get lazy because we think, oh, well, I'm a Christian, so I guess this is just it. And we forget the fact that even if you've decided to follow Jesus, you still need Jesus to save you. Yeah. And and he offers that salvation and his kingdom is a place where we can find the answers to all those things. And and we can actually find healing and we can actually find hope and we can we can turn hatred into love. Like mm-hmm. we can do those kinds of things through Jesus, which I think we undersell him by turning him into just a in, like a death insurance policy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's about now. It's not just about the future. So that's part of it. The other thing is I I just want people to read the Bible more and to actually enjoy it, mainly because I'm having a blast these days. I'm I'm seeing all these threads connecting, and it is just so engaging. When you know what to look for when you're reading Luke 1 and 2, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize how this all connected. And, and you start looking at how these different prophecies came from different times in Israel's history, and they're being repeated on the mouth of Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the context of this angel coming who was there, and Jesus then later on calls himself the son of man, which is coming straight from Daniel, which Mm -hmm. is what the angel was talking to. Anyway, it's like, whoa, you get to see all these things. And all of a sudden, the Bible becomes so much more rich, and not just this sort of, I don't know, like divine owner's manual that just got, you know, that we just flip to and try to look for pat answers to life's questions, but an actual story that draws you into something. Right. Right. Yeah. More than a troubleshooting guide. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. So the story of Zechariah basically is there's, he's John the Baptist's dad. Right. And an angel comes and talks to him and says, basically all these promises are being going to be, your son's going to help usher these in. Right. right? Well, there, yeah. Cause there were all these prophecies um, again, the idea of the Messiah was something that developed after the exile. It wasn't, I mean, there, there, the prophecies were there, but people didn't weave those together mm-hmm. the way that we would think of until later on. And you actually, there's other documents that aren't in the Bible that come from that sort of post-exilic period where you can actually see the idea of, of the Messiah coming together. There's this one thing called the Messianic Apocalypse, and it's got some like weird n- alphanumeric title because it's just part of the Dead Sea Scrolls, but it's it talks about this king, this anointed king who would um, bring sight, recovery of sight to the blind and healing to the lame and justice and all these threads being tied together for it's one of the earliest times we've seen them all in one place. And when, sorry, we're getting way down in the weeds here, but when you hear uh, John the Baptist at some point sends his, his disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Right. And what is what does Jesus answer? He says, all the stuff that you read in the Messianic Apocalypse, that fragment document, he says, well, go back and tell them the blind are receiving sight, right, the lame right. are walking. And he, he quotes back all these things in the same order. It, it basically, yeah. this was something, an idea that had built. So Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist and the prophecies that the angel tells him, which you re- referred to, are all regarding a specific aspect of the Messiah's coming, which was that somebody, some prophet was going to be like, God was going to raise them up. And he, and at some point in Malachi says, he's actually going to raise up Elijah again. And so anyway, raise yeah. somebody up who would prepare the way for the Messiah. And so what the angel was telling Zechariah is your son's going to be that guy. He's going to be the prophet that's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. So it's very specific. And again, we read it and we're like, eh, 
neat, but it really would have been profound I mean, for Zechariah. If an angel comes and tells me my son's going to do all this stuff, you better check my medication. Because, <laughs> like, that's insane. Well, yeah. I mean, basically, he, he was telling him that he was going to be in the spirit and the power of Elijah, yeah. one, of, one of the great prophets from the Old Testament, was going to be his son. And then his son went out and wore, like, camel skin clothes and ate locusts and lived in the desert. I would love to have Speaking seen of party. His, his, his parents in those years. Like, so that's that was, my boy. Yeah, that was my question. Is like but They were already pretty old. I wonder if they lived long right. enough to see it. Right. After you hear this from the angel, are you like, my son's going to be in a bubble. He's a bubble boy. John like, I'm the not going to let anything happen to him. I'm not letting to him. anything happen to this kid because he is supposed to be here for greatness and nothing can happen to I him. So he got all sheltered. <laughs> yeah, like, bubble you know, boy. John the Baptist falls out of a tree. No, he's cool. It's good. We've we've got the promise. Oh, so you would you'd go the other way. He'll survive that one because we've already been There's promised. a burning building. Send John the Baptist in there. I could see both ways cuz if he was the bubble boy where his parents were totally coddling him and protecting him, then maybe the whole camel hair desert thing was like, "You guys don't understand me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to the wilderness." Yeah. <laughs> Revolt, man. Yeah. He's like writing emo songs and yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! The world is torture. Then <laughs> <laughs> he goes out and becomes a prophet. No, I don't think that was actually. Because how, how old was he when he was doing all that stuff? He was he was six months older than Jesus, and they were cousins. So like thirty. By the way, do you know they were cousins? That's that's in yes. there. And so he was like, yeah, thirty-ish in his thirties. But when that all happened, but we don't. It doesn't say. And on this specific date, John began a ministry of d- baptizing people. He might have been doing it for for ten years. Yeah. Thank before. you for clarifying that his last name was not the, the Baptist. Baptist. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's. Why do we, we call always, him that? Because he baptized people, and so people were like, "Oh, he's a. What do you call someone who does something like that? He's a he's a baptizer. No, he's a Baptist. Sure. <laughs> John the Baptist. He was not a Southern Baptist or a or a Reformed Baptist or any of those kind of denominations that we think of. What, uh, I mean, we, we kind of already did this, but what stuff did you leave on the cutting room floor that you wish you could have said? Oh, man, I could have gone on for a long time. Uh, there's a lot of little things, little tiny cool things that that I guess I just didn't have time to talk about. For example, I talked all about the exile and how, you know, Every, all, all the expectation that came from that. I also discovered in my research and reading that Zechari- it says in Luke that Zechariah was from the the order of Abia or Abijah or however you want to pronounce it, which I had to look up. It was a group of priests, an order of priests that began, that came back from exile with Zerubbabel when he built the walls of, or when he, when he came back to, to rebuild Jerusalem and start building Jerusalem. So he was a one of the first the order of prophets that came back from the exile. It's another little thing just to kind of pointing the way to the idea mm-hmm. that this man is doing his... Sorry, did I say prophets? I mean priests. I, I don't know. Tyler's not tracking with me. Maren's, Maren's <laughs> this is a This is he one of these back. things that's like... <laughs> anyway. Man, I wish I knew all this stuff. Is it even possible for me to know this stuff? No, like Okay. not you. Oh, oh Marin. It's totally possible. I don't I'm not special. Like okay. I just I just different people have different gifts and not everyone is gonna have Barry's gift. And so that's I'm... that's why I love it when you geek out. Because yeah. you are gifted in that way and you are electric. It's like infectious. Your excitement over what you're discovering as you research and as you're able to connect all these dots. Like we catch that wave and it's like, oh man, this yeah. is super cool. Please well, take me well, on your trip. Well, thank you. I hope you guys will tell me the moment I've gone overboard and I'm doing it just a little too much and laying it on a little too thick because I really do 
Well, I lost you with the pastor or the prophet priest thing. (laughs) Priest. He was just, sorry. Everything before that was great. Let me say it again. What I meant to say was his, uh, (laughs) his great, great, whatever grandfather, somebody came back from the exile and was one of the very first orders of priests that worked in the new temple that was built. And that was just a little hint that Luke gives us again, tying back to the exile. Which didn't come close to the glory of the temple before exile right is what right said. and here's yeah exactly the, t- the temple that they built the second temple that they built there's a story i think it's in nehemiah when they first just build the foundation for the new temple they there's like all the young people are super pumped because they didn't see the old temple they're like yeah we're gonna have a temple again israel's on its way back baby and all <laughs> the old people they are weeping just looking at the platform for mm. the new temple because they realized it wouldn't even hold a candle to what the old one looked like, to what the old Solomon's temple looked like. Anyway. And all of that to say, we're kicking off Christmas season. <laughs> and this is why we celebrate Christmas. The hopes and fears of all the years are met right there in that little baby. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. This is why we celebrate Christmas. It points the way to the Savior we have all been looking for. Jesus brings salvation to the world. Poignant. Great stuff. Say that again. Poignant? 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 Poignant. Poignant. Is it poink? (laughs) Poink. Poignant. (laughs) It's a very poignant (laughs) statement. (laughs) Poignant. That's it. Great. So they're waiting for this like glorious temple to be built. They're disappointed by the one they were able to build, right? Just am I just I want to see if I am tracking with you correctly. Sure. But then there's your temple right there who says that he is able to like tear it down and rebuild it in 3 days. Like so they're looking for this like palatial structure. In comes manger baby Jesus, not quite the temple they were looking for. Yeah, I mean, that's you get into some really, really cool stuff when you look at that because basically, yeah, he's saying, no, I am the temple. The temple was always the meeting place mm. for God to be to meet humans, to be on the earth. That was where he dwelled. And suddenly Christ comes and he is the temple. And then guess what? All of his followers oh, yeah. are the new priests. We are the ones working in the temple to represent God to humanity. It's they wanted awesome to reclaim stuff. that yeah. former glory, but they right. had no idea what was ahead and, right. and the true temple that right. they, they thought, didn't even know. They thought, best case scenario, we get a really cool looking building <laughs> and no, they get God with us. Wow. They get Emmanuel. I think that that's a really cool way to look at the story. I mean, usually, uh, I'm going to probably regret saying this, but usually every year I'm like, ah, Christmas story, all right, let's move on. But the way we're setting this up at Grace for this season is like, that is awesome. I had no idea, you know, and I I wish that we kind of did that every year. It's like, this is all part of it. I'm part of it. You're part of it. Moses was part of it. Jesus is part of it. Zechariah is part of it. It's all part of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Christmas. It's not just about one thing, right? Right. That's awesome. So when we come back, we're going to speak with author Maggie Johnson about her book that takes us through the Advent season into Christmas called Prepare Him Room when we come back. 
Hey guys, this is Emily O'Connor. I produce the podcast every week. Just wanted to let you know that next week we will have our teaching pastor, Tim Ayers, as a guest on the pod. And we're going to have an Ask Tim Anything segment. So if you have any questions for Tim about the Bible, and I know you do, now's the chance to ask. You can go to betweensundays.us to submit your question or submit your questions to Grace's Twitter or Facebook accounts. Thanks for sticking with us on Between Sundays. We are here with Maggie Johnson. Welcome, Maggie. Hey, guys. So Maggie is a author these days, also a staff member, also a friend. And you have written a book called Prepare Him Room, an Advent devotional. Yeah, it feels weird to be called an author, by the way. Why? Um, well... You are one. Yeah, but first of all, this was self-published, so... Um, I know that that doesn't matter, but for me, it just feels weird to have my first book be um, something that was fully initiated by me, and now people are calling me an author. So. Yeah. You're an independent author. Yeah. If we can have like independent musicians, like That's self-releasing true. music, That's why don't true. you self-release your stuff? Mm-hmm. Independent author Maggie Johnson. <laughs> How long have you been writing? Um. Oh, gosh. As long as I can remember. Um. In elementary school, I wrote very terrible poetry, and um, Will does that, does that still exist somewhere? Yeah, it does, but you will never see it. Uh, <laughs> Please, we actually we we'll were post it on the website. <laughs> we were unpacking our house last year, and my husband Will found my old books of poetry from elementary school, and he just died laughing. Mm-hmm. It was really oh, bad. he laughed at you. <laughs> oh yeah, so That's you're not cool. saying Will knows where they are? Yeah. He mm. might, but he wants to stay married to me, so he will not. Uh-oh. So here's the deal. you um, How long has this project gone on? Because you published it, what, a month ago? Um, yeah, mid-October. Okay. Um, so I started writing it, I would say, in May, I think. And why'd you decide that you wanted to write an Advent book? Um, Out of all ad- the possibilities, why this type? Yeah, um, Advent has always intrigued me. Um, I grew up not really paying attention to the church calendar, um, especially liturgical things like Advent. And so um, when I went to college, I went to Moody Bible Institute, um, I became more familiar with Advent. And so ever since then, I've just been obsessed with the concept. Um, What is the concept? Because I, truthfully, before I read your book, Mm -hmm. Advent to me was opening... Little drawers. A A little drawer with a chocolate bell in it. Or ribbon or something. There was just chocolate in there 25 yeah. times, and that's uh-huh. what Advent was to me. I have no, I had no idea what this meant. <laughs> Didn't you say you were you were Adventing or something? Yeah, I'm in the. I, I was Adventing texting Marin the other day. I was like, I'm reading Maggie's book, Adventing. Like, what's the verb for going through this? Advent. Don't Advent too hard. <laughs> oh my gosh. So can you can you explain what the concept of Advent yeah. is? Yeah. So themes of Advent. Um, The big one is waiting. So waiting on um, the coming of Jesus Mm -hmm. and uh, the people of God waited, you know, for so long for this promised Messiah to come. And so that's the big heart behind Advent is um, preparing ourselves and and waiting on Jesus to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, a lot of what we just talked about with, about the sermon plays directly into the idea of Advent, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So You've always been intrigued by the topic, and then you just decided, I'm going to come up with 25 passages. Like, Bring us into your your system or your method of, of writing this. When you decided to re-advent yourself. Yeah. Oh my oh when you started adventing. <laughs> Barry's geek jokes. <laughs> Welcome. 
Um, well, okay, so it was a lot harder than I originally thought it was going to be. Um, coming up with 25 passages, I actually um, talked to Barry a lot about this because I was trying to figure out there are five big themes um, of Advent, hope, joy, peace, Christ. Um, and That's I, only four, but... Well, yeah, yeah. You can Google well, them. And okay. in, in other traditions, they're candles. Yeah. So I, yeah. I came from a reformed tradition where it was, you know, different colors of a candle, mm-hmm. purple, pink. Yeah. Uh, Christ's candle is always white. But yeah, that each one represents a different thing. Joy, yeah. hope, candle of love. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Christ's candle. And, was a Christ candle. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was actually going to go. Still four. Yes. <laughs> I think maybe faith, was faith the other one? Somebody Google this. You could probably say whatever you want and I'll yeah, believe you. Whatever. <laughs> She does. I think preparation is actually one of them. Um, But so I originally was going to go through all five of those themes and have five passages for each theme. But that felt way too complicated, especially since the um, the overall theme for this devotional is preparation, preparing Mm -hmm. ourselves for Jesus. So decided to um, just focus on that for each passage and kind of pull out that theme um, for each one for passages that may not even be obvious that that can tie into it. Um, So honestly, I just picked passages that in my life have been really impactful and have drawn me closer to Christ. So you can definitely pick up your tone from the very first page. And I was tweeting about this the other day when I was going through it or when I started adventing uh, (laughs) was... Can that be a hashtag? (laughs) Uh, this is for a very specific person. It sounds like, yeah. like there are Advent devotionals all over the place, but this is for a very specific person. Mm-hmm. And you say our cheeks are, ro- you know, our cheeks are rosy with joy and our hearts are full. There are those people who welcome merriment with little fuss. And then there's you and me, the ones who trudge through the bristling winds of December, feeling just as cold inside as it appears to be outside. So this is for somebody who needs something, mm-hmm. right? Can you talk a little bit more about why you chose that tone? Yeah, I actually had um, several friends edit this, and um, many of them suggested that I not take that approach because they didn't want me to alienate people Mm. who had a hard time with Christmas. They wanted me to have a more broad audience. But the truth is that I don't know how to write for those people in the Christmas season because this is my experience. Mm -hmm. My experience is that Christmas is hard. Um, Hmm. I've struggled with seasonal depression, um, almost my entire life. And a lot of my loss that I've experienced has happened during the Christmas season. And so that's, that's where I, I, where I identify. And so I wanted to connect with those people. Um, yeah. One of the things I love about your approach to this is you include a lot of personal stories Mm. and, and personal experiences and how these different passages have affected you, which to me, just it's so much more authentic and real than a lot of devotionals that I've read in the past where it's all just like talking about these like make believe like super Christians that just you're like, who are what real world do you inhabit that you're able to live that? But yours are just real. They're real and they're authentic and raw. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I'm pretty impressed with your willingness to go there and some of these and just talk about some of the, the junk from your past. Was that hard for you to do? Was it was it a challenge? Um, it wasn't hard, but I was a little bit afraid that people were going to read this and think it was way like that. I'm a Debbie Downer kind of, you know, cause I, I didn't really talk about anything 
um, joyful from my own experiences. But that's because I believe that, you know, growth comes when we um, engage our pain. But for people, again, who Christmas is joyful and they love it and it's like all roses and unicorns, they probably (laughs) would not enjoy all of my stories um, in this devotional. I think that they would. I'm going to push back on that, Maggie Johnson. You do it, girl. Because while you are, you're describing your experience, mm-hmm. and it isn't necessarily unicorns and roses, mm-hmm. um, which aren't traditional pieces in the Christmas story either. You don't have um, a have a Christmas unicorn in your family. I should have a Christmas unicorn atop my Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> but you you always bring um, the light of hope out of these stories. So it's you don't leave us in the darkness. You you begin to show how Christ reveals his life and his light in the midst of your darkness. So I think that it's, it's for everybody. It's for the ones who are jolly and set up their Christmas trees on November 1st. And it's for the rest of us. Uh, too. I would say there's someone other than jolly. That's something other than jolly. When you're November 1st, that's a little aggressive. That's uh, insulting or something. That's obsessive. Yeah. You're, you're now like, infringing on my <laughs> joy. <laughs> yeah. Your, your, your passages leave us, they leave the reader with something, um, to think about either throughout the rest of the day or just through the rest of that morning's meditation or whatever you leave us in a place where you, you ask poignant questions. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, it's going to follow you forever. <laughs> Yeah. Um, in just in day four, you say, um, God is the opposite of everything I fear. You were talking about being afraid of the dark. And, um, when he says that he is light and in him, there is no darkness, Mm. the revelation that he's the opposite of everything you fear. I could think about that Mm. for like 10 days in a row. Like Mm. there's just so much power packed into these little excerpts that, that we get. Thank you for just. You probably you. do need to think about that ten days in a row. You googled scary spiders and just to see what exists. <laughs> Maybe that's why, like that's oh what jumped gosh. out to me. Like yeah. she's afraid of stuff too. Yeah. God is the opposite of all of my fears, and yeah. I did take it there. Like, okay, God, if what's the opposite of a giant snake? Because that's oh. you. If you're the opposite of uh-huh. everything I fear, I know. What's the opposite? Snakes. I can't. <laughs> and by the way, like what we just talked about. The world is weary, waiting for Jesus. Like, there wasn't hope, really, because it had been 500 years since these promises had been made. Yeah. The only reason that people go through the Christmas season super joyful is because they know that the hope exists. Mm -hmm. But if if you take the approach that, like, Christmas is hard... I am assuming it was probably hard for all the people that existed before the baby Jesus showed up that provided the hope. So I really resonate even based on what we talked about this weekend in the sermon. I really resonate with the tone of this book because it kind of puts me in the place of somebody who lived during a time that was just like waiting, Mm -hmm. waiting for something, waiting for a Messiah, waiting for something. And you, you take me there. And this is what we miss. Sorry. This is what we miss when we do have Advent be just opening up little chocolate bells or whatever. Cause then that's just like, Oh, I can't wait to get presents. Yes. Mm -hmm. If that's what your expectation is, that's missing what, what the hope is that we actually. And it's mediocre chocolate at best. Right. It's always that like cheap, cheap milk chocolate. 
again, like like you you said that you grew up not paying much attention to the church calendar, and I can say the same thing. We did not put a lot of stock into that, uh, the church that I grew up in. My kids went to a Lutheran school in Chicago. That was uh, Missouri Synod Lutheran and very traditional. Um, in that church, they cover up all images of Christ in the sanctuary huh. and don't um, unveil them until Christmas Day. Oh, wow. Day. That's cool. As all just kind of building up that anticipation huh. of this is what it's all about. And then he came in other churches where I've served. You, you don't sing about songs that he's here mm-hmm. just for the month of December, just yeah. to help build up that anticipation for those three or four Sundays that you have um, leading up to Christmas. So yeah, this, this That's notion cool. of waiting. Now you say in, I think in your introduction or your first um, day that we know he's here. Mm. We know that he's already here, but we still prepare our hearts Mm -hmm. for him. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. um, I didn't want to um, ignore the fact that we have the Holy Spirit. I think it's really easy um, for us to forget about the Holy Spirit or to think that the Holy Spirit is um, subordinate to the other two parts of the Trinity. And that I did not want that to be a thing that got left out of, of this um, this whole theme and this idea, mm. because it's really easy to think that um, I'm just trudging along or that, again, in, in this theme of preparation, that I have to prepare for God before he'll meet with me, which is not the case. If, if we are um, believers and we are secure in our salvation in Jesus, then we have the Holy Spirit dwelling with us 100% of the time. It's not this situation where um, he'll leave if, if we haven't um, had our quiet time that morning. Mm-hmm. So. I was talking to somebody else um, about this idea of preparing um, earlier this week. It's kind of ironic that here we are kind of discussing this again, and it had nothing to do with Advent. This this person was telling me a revelation that uh, it's a pastor I know from back home was telling me he had a revelation about what worship is and mm-hmm. that worship just prepares your spirit, prepares your heart, prepares your soul for an, for an encounter with the living God, that that's what it is. It's that, it's that preparation um, that we need that. Our souls need that. And I kind of, I like to refinish furniture. I've taken wire brushes to like rusty metal furniture and I have to like prep the surface so that it can receive the color and the color would adhere and that kind of thing. You, in your book, you talked about um, a time when God was telling you to get your house in order, Mm. you know, just preparing. Mm. Um, And with, you know, without going into too much detail or whatever, what does that mean? Um, when he comes to you and says, get your house in order. Yeah. yeah. And was that terrifying? Okay. Yeah. So let me just tell you, <laughs> that's the story in the introduction for those of you who yeah, haven't. Yeah, let's walk through it. Who haven't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, I, there, okay. So I'm an eight on the Enneagram. You guys talked about that a few episodes ago. Oh, and, friend of the pod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big time listener. Yep. Hashtag grace pod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so I am really big on justice and um, things being right. And so this one um, area of my life was probably the, this is going to sound really weird, but it was probably the one time in my life that I had something hidden that I knew wasn't right and I could not bring it into the light. Mm. And literally for years, I knew that this thing wasn't right and that I needed to confess it, but I was too afraid until... Suddenly, I don't remember exactly when it was, but the Holy Spirit just started laying heavy on my heart. And um, I started having these dreams that 
I needed to get my house in order. And it was this calm voice, like the Holy Spirit just coming to me in, in the middle of the night saying, it's time to get your house in order. And I knew exactly what it meant. And it took me months to finally give in. I mean, I was fighting. Mm. I was wrestling. It made me think of um, the story of Jacob wrestling mm. um, with God. And and I, I totally <laughs> felt like I was Jacob. I was like, I'm not... <laughs> I, I don't know how to do this. I don't I don't know how to communicate with you. I'm trying to live this life of ministry. And um, at the time, I Will, Will was a worship director at a church, and we were doing ministry in this little tiny church. And I felt like I was one person in front of everyone else. And then even um, in private, away from my husband, I was someone completely different. And so when I finally gave in and confessed my sin, it was like this weight was just taken off of me. Mm-hmm. Mm. You became one person again. Yeah. 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 And honestly, um, after I confessed that and after I prepared my house and got my house in order is when um, God kind of opened the door for us to come to grace. Mm. So that was super cool. I I felt like God was preparing us for something big. I didn't know what it was. And then um, God brought us here. What an invitation. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you hear, get your house in order and it's, it's daunting. Cause I've been through the same thing, mm-hmm. the same thing. And it was just like terrifying, mm-hmm. but what an invitation, like here, I, I will, I will give you freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I don't know that this is only about confession, but I think the sa- a similar thing happened to me back in 2005 when I was in Kenya. I won't get into the whole story, but at one point I decided that I had so much unconfessed sin and sin struggles in my life that I had to tell somebody. And so I called my parents on this international call and (laughs) confessed everything that I had ever done that was unconfessed and everything I was struggling with. And my poor mom. Holy cow. Yeah. No, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I, looking back, I probably would have maybe just talked to dad first and then moved on to mom at some point. But the thing was, it, it really did. It swept out my heart and, and prepared it. And, and after that was when I first began following, like truly surrendering and following Christ in ways that had, I had not before because I wasn't held back by all the junk. I had a clean slate. Now I was in another country, so of course I could be whoever I wanted. And so I had the privilege of having a clean slate without everyone else having their assumptions on me. I could just be whoever I want, wanted to be. But man, that, that set the course for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So I think there, there's a lot to be said for this idea of, going through the hard, mm-hmm. hard work of being true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my favorite quote pertaining to this book came from uh, my friend and co-host, Tyler Bender, who <laughs> was reading the first, the introduction and the first day. And he said, quote, man, it's like, this book is a cheese grater oh my and God. I am the cheese. <laughs> oh my Very God. poignant. <laughs> No, no. Yes. Like again, in a good way, like Lord, break us down, give us freedom Mm -hmm. so that you can prepare us for your work, for your kingdom. I I couldn't be where I am today, sitting where I am today, who I am today, had I not gone through something similar to what you described in your Mm -hmm. book and had Barry not done that either. And even in the Bible, confess your sin one to another that you may be healed. It's not so that you can, you know, cry and feel bad. It's so that you may be healed. Right. At some point, and I, again, I wish I had taken better notes to know which day I was referring to. Uh, At some point you talk about 
the yoke that Jesus gives us, mm-hmm. there's still, you're still going to have a yoke. Yeah. Um, it's a matter of which yoke you'll take and the yoke of Jesus is light and his burden is light. And so I think that's the fear that a lot of people have is when they think about the idea of confession or of, of, you know, preparing our hearts and actually surrendering. It's this fear of like, oh man, if I'm really clean oh, out in the open about all this stuff, God's going to blast me and God's, yeah. you know, going to hate me for being, but it's completely the opposite. God is such a God of grace and love that when we do that, he, he is right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you experience, what was your ex- relationship with God like in the midst of that yeah. time of confession? What happened? Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I, I think confession is a lot easier when you have a safe place to belong and to feel um, true compassion. And there is no way that I would have gotten to the place in my heart where I would have felt free to confess if I didn't have someone like Will, my husband in my life. Will is the only person that I would have ever confessed that to. Hmm. And he is the only person who will know the darkest parts of me because I trust that he will love me no matter what, just like Jesus. Hmm. And that's what we all need to experience and to have. um, We need to have that safe place that mirrors the way that Jesus feels about us. So what do you, do you expect people who go through this experience or this reading this book for the next 25 days do you expect them to to feel a sense of that? Mm. Yeah, I hope so. I, you know, I wrote this while I was pregnant, which is. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too. Uh-huh. The baby is currently crying in the yeah, hallway. I can, and I can hear the baby are, crying. Yeah. So I'm like, my attention all of a sudden got, <laughs> yeah. just, I got distracted. And, and to be clear, face. the baby is being supervised. <laughs> yes. not, we didn't just leave the baby in the hall. <laughs> She's just chilling out there. We got uh, some things to talk about, Penny. Let's just hang on a second. <laughs> um, so I wrote this while I was pregnant, and that made this whole thing a thousand times more real for me. Yeah. Um, the idea of waiting on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it helped to know that there were people around me who loved me, who could help walk with me along that journey of preparation and waiting. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that people feel the personal um, care from me when they read my words, but also as we go along in the 25 days, we're going to get more into what it means to be in community with other people. And that will hopefully draw out as well. So what did it do to you? What did this experience do to you? Um, it was soul ravaging. Mm. How so? Like you were cheese and this was like the greater. (laughs) Yeah, It was like the greater. Um, no, I mean, so I didn't, plan out the stories that were going to accompany the passages before I started writing them. Mm. And so I wrote through my own healing in a way, um, as I was writing each of the stories and it was hard to realize like, Oh, there, there are parts of me that haven't fully, I haven't fully grappled with. And in that way it, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you mind reading one of the days taking us through one of those experiences? I would love to. Uh, So I'm going to read from day two. This is probably, if not my favorite, it's one of my favorite um, passages and reflections. I'm only going to read the reflection, um, but the passage for this day is Matthew 1, 1 through 16. And some background on this, this passage grounded me to Jesus in in many ways. Um, The first time that I kind of, I held on to it really tightly was the day that I realized my parents were going to get split up. My parents had both been accused of some really terrible things, and I I clung to this passage to, to remember who we all belong to. 
So this is, uh, begins on page 13. We all come to the table with a story, a culmination of days and weeks that begin to shape who we are and how we see the world. It's easy to craft an image of God based on our life circumstances. If you had an abusive dad, then God is an authoritarian father just waiting for you to fail. If you grew up poor, then God can seem stingy and withholding. If you had an absent parent, then God can easily feel distant and uncaring. The truth is that our past shapes our perspective, but Jesus is in the business of making things new. He wants to rewrite your story and reframe your perspective. At first glance, the book of Matthew begins with a boring list of biblical names that are hard to pronounce. However, scripture tends to insert glorious treasure in seemingly mundane settings, which is exactly what happens in Matthew chapter 1. There are five women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus, which would have been scandalous to the intended Jewish reader. Women were never listed in in genealogies. Not only was their presence outrageous, but the women Matthew chose to highlight were deplorable. Tamar seduces her father-in-law to get pregnant in Genesis 38. Rahab is described as a prostitute in Joshua 2. Ruth is a Moabite whose family history began with incest in Genesis 19. Bathsheba was the woman who held King David's adulterous affections in 2 Samuel 11, and Mary was an unwed pregnant teen. These are the women Matthew included when introducing us to Jesus for the very first time. By including these five names, Matthew swings wide the doors of grace. There is not one who is too despicable to be in the company of Jesus. There is not one story that is past the point of redemption. Jesus has the power to rewrite your story, and he wants to repurpose your pain for joy. Will you let him? What messy, part, what messy or painful parts of your story do you need to bring to Jesus in prayer? No parts of our stories are wasted in his hands. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Where can people pick this up? I believe it's sold out in the Grace bookstore. Dang. Um, but I think there are a few copies left on Amazon. Last time I checked, there were only 15 copies left. Wow. Are you going to order more? What are you going to do? Yeah, what's happening? I don't think it's up to me. I think it's up to the distributor. So So you didn't do the print-on-demand thing with like... Well, I did, but they only print like a certain amount of batches. Oh. Well, you're about to see the Between Sundays bump. Okay. Seriously. So you better, you so, better figure out how so to get more books. So once those 15 go out, run out, then they print more, like another batch. So there will be more available. Okay. This might on Amazon. be a little while. Is there yeah. a digital version, a Kindle version? There is not. Mm. It's only print. Well, it's great. And thank you for sharing it. Thank you for giving us this gift of an awesome Advent devotional experience. Yeah. Now when I'm Adventing, <laughs> I feel... I really do feel like this is grading away layers of myself that I didn't even know were there. And it, it's been, it's been a, an amazing experience. It's been joyful. It's been sad. It's been really heart wrenching and all that stuff. So thank you for this gift. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys. Well, when we come back, we are going to speak with Brad Becky and Will Johnson about some songs that they have uh, written or recorded uh, for Grace Church as another gift to the people of Grace this Christmas season. Thanks for sticking with us on Between Sundays. Uh, We are now joined by musical artists. 
Guys, welcome Brad, Becky, and Will Johnson. Hey, guys. Ooh. Hey, guys. Hey. What's up, fam? Excited to be here. So Brad, <laughs> Becky, worship leader at 146th Street Campus, or as you like to say, 146. <laughs> Will Johnson, <laughs> worship leader at Fisher's. That's correct. That's awesome. So you guys are here today to talk about uh, some songs that you recorded. Did you write them or did you just w- tell us a little bit about that's this That's not project. Joy to the World. I've heard that <laughs> for a while. You wrote that? Or? Use the word arranged from I, yeah, here on out. I think arranged would be better. Yeah. Uh, Isaac Watts wrote that song and it's in public domain. Mm, so not sir, familiar. Sir. Sir. Not familiar. Never heard of him. <laughs> I'll do um, respect. Yeah. So I, I really just kind of reinterpreted it, added a couple things that really weren't needed. Let's be honest. It's a great song. It's a great song. Yeah. It's a classic. It didn't have enough joy. Yeah, so we did. We added joy. Turn up the volume. Every time I hear that song, I'm like, "What is it about, though?" (laughs) Hope, I think. I think so. It's a very hopeful song. So, for those who who have not heard the song yet, Mm -hmm. um, talk, take us through the process. How did you guys decide we should do this? This is something we've never done before as a group. Take us through the whole process of how this became a thing. They're pointing at each other right now, which is just adorable. Why why don't you take it, Brad? Okay, so really, it it started with this idea that uh, Maggie Johnson, who you guys just had on. Yeah, friend of the pod. Yes, she'd written a (laughs) devotional, Prepare Him Room. And when I saw her post something on Instagram about it, I was like, I think I texted Will and just said, dude, I know Prepare Him Room comes from the song Joy to the World, but if we don't like write a song (laughs) called Prepare Him Room, we're crazy. Hmm. Yeah. And so he just kind of took it from there, Will did, and he made it into an arrangement of O Come All Ye Faithful. Um, and so I, had, him and I had talked before about just reimagining some Christmas songs and kind of making our own and putting the graced uh, fingerprint on it, and I chose Joy to the World. So you got a bunch of musicians together. It's true. Uh, and you received a studio space, or how, how did this whole thing come about? Yeah, so um, Dave Fackler, who is also on staff here at Grace, yeah. uh, is our director of instrumental development, worked at Crew for some like 30 or 50, 90 years, something like that. <laughs> Whoa. And, um, he goes way back. <laughs> way back. Uh, Sorry, Dave. Dave's um, got a great skin regimen. Yeah. <laughs> Looks great. Moisturized. Looks great. I love you, Dave, if you're listening. Um, and yeah, uh, still has some connections with Crew and uh, Scott Naylor, um, volunteers at, at Fisher's. Um, kind of a super volunteer still on staff at crew and great uh, hair um does have great hair hair. uh and they um pulled some strings and were able to get us some studio time um in their uh studio east street studios uh, over in westfield and um donated time donated time yeah Yeah. Uh, and so yeah we were very very lucky and privileged to be able to go uh record in that space it's awesome so how long did it take you guys to do this because you recorded two songs right Right. Yeah. How long did it take? Way longer than planned. <laughs> oh, why? Because I think we we had assumed, yeah, we'll get in there and we'll we'll knock it out in like a, a couple of nights. And I think the two nights turned into like three. And oh well, let's revisit it next week. And then the, you know the fourth, the fifth, the sixth night. Who was so. the most annoying person to record? I my votes for Brad. <laughs> <laughs> my vocals aren't right. No comment. <laughs> No comments. Hey, Marin should answer that because I have she's no more comments. <laughs> oh, what happened? You got to tell the story, Marin, because you were there. No, I can tell one story of just like 
my kids. Hey guys, you know, I just got to duck into the studio and just lay some parts down. I'm just going to run in and run out. (laughs) Seven hours later, (laughs) three days later. (laughs) School night and my kids, I looked down at my clock and it was 1015. I'm like, I have got to go. (laughs) So yes, um, recording takes a long time. So when we say they donated studio time, they donated lots of time. And that's, I can't understate how generous crew was to give us all that time. It's hard. It's hard to sing about joy when you're when you're singing it through clenched teeth. <laughs> joy. Um, so here's here's a question I have for you guys. I, like I know that you just quote unquote arranged these songs, but there's still a whole bridge. There's some musical things that you did to it. How does one write even a little bit of a song? Do you start with the lyrics? Do you add a melody? Like how did you write the bridge for Joy to the World, for example, I, I, or any either of you guys? Well. For Joy to the World, uh, you know, because I had picked that song, I was like, okay, does this song need anything? It, it didn't, but I was like, for me, I think it just goes into the explanation of why I chose the song. Is, um, you know, as I as I listen to Joy to the World, and it's super familiar to all of us. Um, to me, it's a song that expresses a lot of what we talk about here at Grace: the six broken places that Jesus comes to repair, um, not just mankind's relationship with God, but all of creation. So for me, I was like, what could I add to this song that expresses that? And that's why I, I came up with the bridge, really. That, for me, was the thing that tied it together to say, okay, this is creation. It waits no more. Our King Christ is born, Son of God, Son of Man. Desire of nations come. A rescue has begun. A thrill of hope across the land. I was like, okay, I want to take all of these verses and kind of tie them back together to the fact that Jesus came to redeem not just man and womankind, but all of creation. And that's what the song is. Can we play a few bars? Well, the whole thing? (laughs) (laughs) That's just a music thing, right? Play a few bars. While we play the whole thing, Brad, I don't know that a lot of our listeners know that you have a background in writing. Could you tell us a little bit about um, your background? It's a really strong song. And to me, as a musician, I hear, oh my goodness, Brad's a writer. Did like, we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we became best friends like four months ago, oh, but yeah, that did. was just I'm me. <laughs> yeah. For down, those guys. wondering, Brad, down. Brad has a series of uh, of historical romance novellas that he wrote. <laughs> yeah, when you say writer, it just makes me think of like Maggie, who's a writer of books, but yeah. Let's not songwriter. confuse Brad's writing songwriter. with the author Maggie Johnson. Sorry, America. Sorry, Grace Church. <laughs> songwriter is what I meant. Please tell us about your background. Yeah, I, I spent like 13 years in Nashville in a couple of Christian rock bands touring around and did a lot of writing even for one of your favorite genres, country music. Oh, that's so not true, <laughs> listeners. But again, Brad and I are best friends. <laughs> but yeah, so I, and that's always been something that's been on my heart ever since I came to Grace and felt like God was telling me like, okay, yeah, hey, you're going to use this this thing that I put in you again. So this seemed like a great opportunity. And when Marin came, she's a songwriter herself, super gifted. We love having her here and has started a, a songwriting group that I'm a part of here at Grace. Um, this felt like a really good way to kind of like kickstart some of that again. So, what about you, Will? Have you done songwriting in the past? Oh yes, he has. Mm-hmm. No. Oh yes. He <laughs> has. Oh come on. I got the proof. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really just been a personal thing that I uh, I enjoy writing writing worship songs, and um, I have a 
CD that I'm not very proud of that I put out in college. <laughs> available uh, in the bookstore. Available in the bookstore. It is so indeed. I did not know that. Proud, at least. Unfortunately. Beardless Will. Right. That's what the CD <laughs> is called. That's what it's called. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, I, I'd like to get back into it. And mm-hmm. I, I was very excited when um, Marin started her, her songwriting group, and I'm very excited to be a part of that and to see what um, what God has for us here at Grace. Uh, I think, as Brad mentioned before, um, Grace has a very unique voice. Um and I'm, ex- I'm excited to be a part of um, exploring what that is. Cool. Well, let's take a listen to some of these tunes. Joy to I dig it. Joy to this is what we refer to as a round <laughs> in music. It, it, this part is fun for me to hear what happened in, like, post-production like no go, wonder it took you guys so long it, you guys just <laughs> talking over each other <laughs> yeah it didn't sound like that when we laid these vocal tracks down so when i heard the finished product i was no, like I whoa literally wow you came in and i said hey can you just sing the exact same thing i sang and then i had vernon Piercy, yeah. who's one of our uh, volunteer worship leaders here at 146 sing the same thing and then will sang the same thing and then will i think and i just jokingly said hey this could almost be like a round joy to the world joy to the world and then we ended up actually doing that so so all the different parts were recorded separately Mm-hmm. So you didn't, I'm imagining like you guys all on risers. Like, <laughs> No, I can't say there was one part where we were surrounding a room mic oh, where yeah. there were, um, let's see, Lauren Russell was there, yeah. Ashley Piercy, yeah. Vernon, yeah, Will, Dave Fackler. Dave Fackler. Thanks Kendrick for the invite, Kendra. guys. <laughs> I lead worship in North Indy sometimes. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> I just we figured you were you busy like with the Tyler Bender band. Yeah. Yeah. I was in show choir in high school. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. <laughs> that was a Total joke. <laughs> Please don't invite me. It's a, it's a sweet guitar part right there. And who was on guitar? Will Johnson. Oh, yeah? Guitar part. Nice. <laughs> yeah. um, can I give a shout out to some of the other people that no, like. No, we don't I allow do shout outs here. Well, we already mentioned Isaac Watts. Who else are we talking about? <laughs> it's your time, Brad. Uh, you can well, do whatever you want. Josh Piercy played drums on both yes. of these tracks. Right on. Josh is a monster. Um, Dave Fackler played keys. Will played electric guitar. Scott Naylor on electric guitar. Ben Sanborn on bass. And Marin also already mentioned all the vocalists, but I think that's it. And Ben engineered the thing, right? Yeah. He, yes. He and Dave. Yeah, Ben split. and Dave. Yep. So. And you said this weekend that, that these are available for, on the video, you said that these are available for download. Is that true yeah. now or will be? No, it is true. If you go to gracechurch.us forward slash Christmas. You don't have to say forward part. D- you are not? <laughs> no, I just slash. slash. We got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> you don't have to say the forward part. Because it's like, do I type Christmas. in forward slash? What am I doing? If you just go to slash. HTTP well, colon like, backslash, backslash, backslash. Yeah, but why would you do black, backsplash? <laughs> backsplash? <laughs> Only in my kitchen. Yeah, I was going to say, that goes splash. in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> the World Wide Web dot. <laughs> so, yeah, they're available on gracechurch.us <laughs> slash Christmas. Yeah, there there you go. Go. Cool. I have to download those. Listen to them while I'm driving to church. Do it. <laughs> Great, so we can move on, right? <laughs> I was just dancing. <laughs> Wait, here comes the bridge, right? 
Uh, no, this oh, no, we already missed it. Yeah, we yeah. missed, oh, we missed we the bridge. It. Yeah. Shoot, that was my favorite part. <laughs> Do you, so did you guys count how many times he said joy? No, it's got to be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys, are we singing these songs every week leading up to Christmas? Uh, I think we've we've tried to rotate them into the, the campus repertoire. Like, we played it in... 146th Street this weekend. And we did also in Fishers. Yeah, and I think North Indy's going to do it next weekend. And then uh, Will's song, Preparing Room, we're doing this weekend. And I think Fishers cool. as well, yeah. So, Will, uh, the next song, Prepare Him Room, you want to tell us, set us up a little bit for that? What What do we need to know? Yeah, I mean, it, it started, um, Brad mentioned earlier, w- with um, him hearing about Maggie's devotional and texting me and saying, like, man, we should we should write a song about this and... Um, the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I mean, um, we need to. And, and, and I um, just kept thinking maybe it doesn't need to be its own song. And so then we started toying around with us, the idea of doing our own arrangement of, of some Christmas tunes. And I got the idea to put a, a bridge in O Come All Ye Faithful. Uh, and to me, that it's, it's a perfect setting for this, this bridge, this idea of preparing him room, because the song starts with O Come All Ye Faithful, come to, come to Bethlehem, come adore him, and ends with this, like, this idea of yea, Lord, we greet thee. Like we're we're prepared for you. We're 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 prepared for you entering in to uh, this world in our hearts. Um, and uh, so then I I just took this idea of preparing him room and and wrote uh, a bridge around it, playing off the chorus of uh, O come all ye faithful. So uh, O come adore on bended knee from lowly manger comes the Prince of Peace. Uh, o earth receive your newborn King. Emmanuel is born to you. Let every heart prepare him room. It's awesome. That's cool. Let's take a listen. started to occur to me and I'm a huge fan you sound a little bit like Ben Folds sometimes that's a good thing there there are worse people that you could have said <laughs> I'll, I'll take it you know I who you ben sound Folds. like you sound like uh, Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> <laughs> now I'm offended not, not true I don't know if you noticed though at the beginning of the song uh, there's some bells because it's a yeah. Christmas song so mm-hmm. yeah. we, we had to oh. have, that uh, was my put, first yeah. like question as a musician I know the answer but um, the first time I heard it I'm like they did not get real bells for this yeah, <laughs> they get my, real bells that was my question too <laughs> did no. you? no oh. we did not That's can those, do amazing those are, things with technology gonna, these days those are, those are MIDI sounds yeah. while put, you're forward slashing you can put, put photos in the cloud you can <laughs> synthesize bells <laughs> Forward slash bells. Actually, that's not even me singing. That's all MIDI. <laughs> is this your bridge? Yes. Emmanuel is born to you. Let every heart prepare. Love that. How quick? 
quickly did that come together? Because I first heard this when we just musicians were planning for Christmas and we were up in the choir room and you just kind of played us a little kind of snapshot of what you had in mind. And it seemed so effortless. It just flowed and we were all kind of shaking our heads like, well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, it, it actually came really fast. And I, I, um, I think some of the some of the better songs that I've written, <clears throat> that's been the case. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it was really just kind of a God thing where yeah. um, I had just a, a simple idea um, for something, and and the the melodies and the the lyrics, um, the chords just kind of form quickly around it. Awesome. Are you, you and Maggie taking this on the road? <laughs> <laughs> Have we mentioned the fact that they're married? Will and Maggie are married. Uh, what? I, this I don't song. know if we've actually brought that up yet. I thought that was a given. Like people knew it, but maybe. people actually don't. It's it's funny. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. A couple weeks ago, even um, Maggie was was somewhere, and somebody said something to her about like, "Oh, do you know do you know the Fisher's worship leader?" and she was like, oh, yeah, no. yeah, I'm married to him. Yeah. Yeah. I know him quite well. My husband, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, you should turn this part up and hear the high harmony. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is this when you had to disappoint your kids? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. So I think the idea came that day, but then I had to come back to the studio like a whole week later oh, to man. actually lay it down. Sans kids, like okay. without the kids. But they're used to it. They've got a musician for a mom. So how long, really, how long were you guys in the studio? Cumulatively. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it was probably, I don't know, 30 hours. Mm, okay. So Over the course of a week? Yeah. Two, well, two and a half weeks. Yeah, two and a half weeks. And that, yeah. well, Thanksgiving was in there, so yeah. we, 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 and we'd we'll, take a break and then. Will, yeah. you're you're hot off becoming a fresh dad. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> that, is, that is the I mean, weirdest way. So, <laughs> such a fresh dad. Yeah, you're a fresh dad, man. <laughs> you got a little baby at home. How did that go over? Hey, I got to go to the studio for thirty straight hours. Yeah. Uh, it was it was broken up. Um, uh, there were some some long. You know, maybe six or seven hour mm-hmm. sessions at a time, but but um, yeah, Maggie was super understanding. And, um, you know, Penny just cries when I hold her anyway, so <laughs> I don't believe it. Here come the bells. to believe that those are not real so in, in, in my imagination i'm yeah. there's a massive santa claus <laughs> giant beard just like sweat pouring off his forehead a and he's massive just hitting those santa claus preparing him room yeah coming yeah. to adore him i Christmas. like that it's Good the picture. uh bell ringer at kroger yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. he's just standing there with the bell 
guys. So, yeah. Really strong arrangements, yeah. guys. Thank you yes, thank for you sharing so that. Awesome. And can you tell us again where people can find this and download? <laughs> download <laughs> Brad, Brad, let me take this. <laughs> yeah. Will say okay. it this time. It's uh, gracechurch.us slash Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And you can download these tunes. You can find service hours for all of our campus locations. And join us for Christmas. And we'll be singing these songs, like the guy said, all month long at different campuses. So... Hope you enjoy them. Maybe you can sing along. I don't know if you've ever heard these songs before, but uh, maybe you, you can learn the words and sing along by the time you get to service. Guys, thanks for joining us. It was a pleasure getting to talk about this, and I can't wait to go pump this in my car. Is pump the right word? Bump. I can't wait to go pump bump this bump, in the bump. car. Yeah. Bump it. Bump it. Yeah. It would be really, really poignant. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it. We got, that's all we got. We, it was a jam packed episode. Thanks for listening uh, to Between Sundays. Marin, do you want to send us out? I do. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we will see you on the other side of Sunday. Take care.